You are listening to the podcast of Providence Church in Austin, Texas. We hope this message raises your affections for Jesus and helps you live out the gospel in everyday life. Uh, Well, writer Annie Dillard famously said, how we spend our days is how we spend our lives. Uh, And for many of us, uh, and I'm actually going to argue today that for all of us, uh, a large portion of our days is spent at work. Uh, We spend more time at our jobs than we do on anything else. It's estimated that the average person will spend roughly 90,000 hours at work over the course of their lifetime. That's crazy. That's roughly like uh, one-third of your life. Uh, When you meet someone new, the first question you ask, of course, is what's your name, right? But the very next question after that is what do you do? Right After our identity our work is one of the most significant things about us. And yet, from from what I've observed, most people, including Christians, are are in sort of a a fog about the meaning and significance of work. We spend so much time working and yet only have sort of a faint idea about how our work matters to God. Like, we probably have some sense that we shouldn't be lazy, we shouldn't steal, we should be a decent employee. But how is it exactly that working at a financial institution or or a tech company or working in sales, how is it that that brings about real spiritual significance? Uh, For many of us, uh, if we're honest, our primary motivator at work uh, is to earn a paycheck. And and while paying our bills is no small matter, I certainly don't want to minimize that, I think that we all have a nagging sense that there's got to be more to it than that. Like there's got to be more to our jobs uh, than the 1981 hit by the band Loverboy suggests. Do you remember that song? Everybody's working for the what? Everybody's working for the weekend. That's a great song, but that's a sad way to live, isn't it? It's kind of depressing. We need a much more robust vision for work than that if we are going to thrive in our postmodern world. Throughout history, Christians have always been intent on holding up a very high vision for work. Martin Luther and the other reformers, for instance, Uh, They used a particular word to talk about the Bible's vision for work. Uh, It's the word vocation, uh, which just means calling. Uh, And in the simplest terms, vocation refers to where God has you in life. Uh, Here at Providence, uh, we are blessed to have uh, a, a great number of vocations Uh, We have vocational uh, doctors and nurses, teachers and coaches, software engineers and developers, artists and writers, accountants, entrepreneurs, social workers, students, stay-at-home moms, retirees, and on and on. It's a wonderful diversity that God has given us. 
And this idea of vocation is that wherever you are in life, right, no matter your job or your area of focus, God has called you there. And he's called you there to work. This means that everyone in this room, everyone in this room has a vocation. Right? God has called each one of us to labor in a particular way. Right? Whether you receive a paycheck or not, each one of us, we have work to do. We're in a preaching series going through Genesis chapters 1 through 11. Uh, and as we have seen already, these uh, foundational chapters uh, are telling us the story of how our world began. Uh, but more than that, uh, they are offering us uh, a vision for life, right? Life as God designed it. Uh, and today, we are going to consider together God's design for work. Uh, and specifically, we are going to consider uh, two things uh, about work. First, we're going to look at the goodness of work, and then secondly, we're going to consider together the struggle of our work. We're going to look at what Genesis 1 and 2 says about work and why it is good, and then we're going to look at some particular ways that work is difficult, and ultimately, we're going to see together how Jesus Christ brings about meaning and redemption in the midst of the struggle. And so let's, let's consider these two things together. At the goodness of work. Uh, the first thing that we learn about God in the Bible uh, is that he himself is a worker. Have you ever thought about that? The very first words of scripture are, in the beginning, God created. Right, Genesis 1 is, is the account of how God created light. Right? And water and land, he created plants and fruit trees, he created at times and seasons, he, he created all kinds of, of living creatures, birds and fish and livestock. Right? And, and then, uh, the crown jewel of his creation, right? God created man and woman. And, and the author of Genesis goes on to describe all of this creative activity of God as work. I want you to open up your Bibles and look at uh, Genesis chapter two with me. Genesis chapter two, if you uh, need a Bible, there's some black Bibles right there in the pew, you can open that up. It starts at the bottom of page one. Genesis chapter two, verse one. God here, has, he's just finished up all the six days of creation and then this is the conclusion of that. Verse one. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work. Right? In the beginning, God worked. And, and, and what's really remarkable is that God not only works, but he finds delight in his work. Uh, throughout the creation account in chapter one, we're told that God calls his creation good. Right, there's this phrase, and God saw that it was good. 
right? And that phrase is repeated six times throughout that chapter. And then chapter one culminates with verse 31 that says, and God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. God stands back, right? He, He sees everything that he has made and he delights in his work. Just like a, a skilled craftsman right, takes pride in building his, his masterpiece, right, just like a renowned painter relishes in creating his, his greatest artwork, right, like a virtuoso musician takes pleasure in, in conducting his symphony, God takes great joy in his work. And, and now I want you to see what God does next here because I think, I think this is truly amazing. Look, look at verse five of chapter two. Verse five. When no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land and there was no man to work the ground. So so God was going about his creation work, but but something was missing. It was incomplete. There was no one to work the ground. And so look what God does. Verse seven. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And then then jump down to verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Okay, so what we see happening here in Genesis 1 and 2 is that our God is a creative worker who delights in his work. And then, out of the abundance of his joy, he creates humankind and he shares his good work with us. I want you to let this sink in. Work is what we were created for. Work is what we were created for. This this truth is right here in the Bible, right? Plain as day. The Lord took the man, put him in the garden. For what purpose? To work it and to keep it. And and, and keep in mind that that this is before the fall, right? Before humanity rebelled against God. And what this means is that work is not a result of sin. Sometimes we can think, well, you know, we, we've got to work because we've, we've got to clean up this giant mess that sin has caused. But, but that's not the case. Right? Work is not a curse. It's a wonderful gift from God. Right in the middle of the perfect paradise of the Garden of Eden, when everything was the way that God intended it to be, there was work. Now, what kind of work, you might ask? Well, uh, notice again in in verse 15 the two words uh, that are used to describe uh, the kind of work that the man was called to in the garden, right? It says that he was 
to work it and to keep it. Uh, That word work um, is the Hebrew word for for worship, okay? And and, and the word keep means uh, to watch over, right? To guard, to protect, to, to care for, to preserve, Right, so I think that the twofold implication here, not only for Adam, uh, but for us as well, is that our work is to be done in worship of God and in service of others. In worship to God and in service to others. And so any job where you can do those two things, it's good work. It's good work. I'm mindful this week of uh, all the teachers and the coaches and the administrators uh, among us uh, as another school year has just ended. Uh, You educators, man, you spend long hours at relatively low pay giving yourselves to forming young people. You are watching over their educational growth and development. And I just want you to know, this is truly good work that you're doing. Mothers, we've got a lot of moms here. When you change a diaper, when you clean up a mess, when you wash clothes, when you soothe a crying baby, when you parent through temper tantrums, you are doing good work. You are watching over and protecting God's most precious gifts you're nurturing a love for God in your children. You're filling the earth with disciples. Today is such a wonderful testament to the important work of mothers as we baptize eight children in our church community. So thank you. Thank you for your work, moms. We have an increasing number of retirees in our community. And I thank God for you. Uh, the widely accepted vision of retirement seems to be that uh, you know, you, you've already put in your time, work is behind you, and so now you just get to do whatever you want. Right? But that is simply unhealthy and unbiblical. Right? And so it, it, as I think about all the ways in which retired members in our church are serving, I am I'm just so encouraged. You guys are serving as gospel community leaders. You serve in our mentorship program. You serve in our premarital counseling program. And just in general, you set the pace in our church of what it means to to encourage and to spur others on. You're a true blessing. And look, wherever God has you in life, he has good work for you to do. He is calling you to worship him and to serve others in your work. Work is good. And many of us, I think, just need to hear that today. We just need to let that truth wash over us. Work is a good gift. But as we all know, it doesn't always feel that way, right? It doesn't always feel like a gift. Oftentimes, work just feels difficult. It's a struggle. About a month ago, uh, my son Hank asked if we could build something together. And I am all about that. And so uh, we brainstormed for a while, thought of some ideas, and we decided we were going to build a birdhouse. Okay? And so uh, we drew out the design, 
We got into the garage and we got to work. Selected the wood, we cut it, we prepared it, we refined it, we started putting all of the pieces together. Right, it was looking good. We went to Home Depot, we got some bird seed, we uh, selected a few paint colors, and then we went back and, and Hank with his sister started painting uh, the birdhouse out in the backyard. Uh, and when we finished with that thing, man, he was, he was so proud of uh, the work that he had done. And, and it was, you know, outside of the paint job, it was perfect, you know? It was looking pretty good. And so we, we filled it with birds, so we put it up in the right spot. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it, was, it, was a, it was a great thing. But we forgot about one thing. And we forgot to take into account the squirrels. Uh, and so many of you probably know where this is going. Uh, a few days later, it didn't take long. It was like two mornings later. We come down. The birdhouse is like smashed on the ground. The bird seeds everywhere, right? And Hank got a lesson, right? Work is hard. Work is broken, right? That's a funny example, of course, but you, you can relate to this fact, right? Work is a struggle. Uh, and and it's, I think it's just important for us to acknowledge that. Uh, it, 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 if we only see uh, the bad of work, then we'll have a hard time doing our work to the glory of God. But if we only see the good, we'll, we'll be frustrated uh, when things don't go as they should. Right? We'll, we'll despair when we realize that work is difficult. Right? And so that, that's what I want us to consider next, uh, the struggle of our work. At Genesis 1 and 2 uh, is a picture of paradise, right? It's this picture of the good life that we were designed for, a, a life of delighting in and perfectly enjoying everything God created. Uh, but as uh, we see in the very next chapter, in chapter three of Genesis, uh, this paradise didn't last long. Right? Man and woman broke covenant with God they chose to live life apart from God, God's good design, uh, and instead, uh, they sought to define goodness on their own, uh, which is the very essence uh, of sin. Uh, and, and to put it succinctly, uh, the fall of humankind into sin has been disastrous. As the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8, because of sin, the entire world is now subject to decay. And no area, I think, has been more affected than work. Now, take a look at Genesis chapter three, uh, down in verse 17. Verse 17. So man and woman have eaten of the fruit that God told them not to eat. They've rebelled against God. And this is what God says to the man, about halfway down, verse 17, he says, because of your sin, cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. Because of sin, work is hard. It's hard. That, that, that's what these verses in Genesis 3 are telling us. Right? Work now involves sweat and toil, thorns and thistles. Right? Well, work is hard. It's broken. 
And because work is, is, is so interwoven into the very fabric of our world, this brokenness affects everything. But, but I just want to look briefly with you at two ways that it affects us personally. Two, two ditches that we fall into related to work. Now, as we go through these two ditches, I want you to keep in mind that these are two, uh, they're generalizations, they're extremes, and I realize that we are all uh, more nuanced in our experience of work, Uh, but I think these generalizations are helpful because they give us some categories uh, for examining our relationship to work, uh, and and they also point us uh, to how the gospel applies uh, to our struggles uh, of work. And so let's consider these together. Uh, The first ditch uh, is uh, the tendency to view work uh, as a necessary evil. For some of you, work is just, it's so difficult right now, and and you just see it as something that you just gotta, you gotta get through. You gotta, you have to kind of grind through it, right? You have to provide for yourself or your family, and and this is the job that you have right now, and so you're just grinding it out. You you don't experience any real sense of of life or delight uh, in your work, right? You work so that you can experience delight and joy through other things, in other ways, right? Through your friends, your family, through, through leisure and entertainment. Right? You tend to view work not as intrinsically good, like we saw in creation, it's only instrumentally good, right? Meaning it's good because it provides for other things. Right? And every one of us experiences the grind of work. As I was painstakingly finishing up this sermon yesterday, I have to admit, work felt a little bit like a grind. Uh, many of you experienced the grind uh, through uh, boredom and mundanity. Right? Just the monotony of doing the same thing over and over again. It can be really difficult. Uh, many of you uh, work with challenging people. Maybe it's an overbearing boss who, who micromanages everything. Maybe it's a a, a really cutthroat work environment where everyone is just out for themselves, right? Your coworkers just treat you based on what you can do for them. Relational dynamics at work can be really draining. It it completely sour and ruin your view of work. I think we can all relate to the experience that work oftentimes seems fruitless, right? Like sometimes it seems like no matter how hard you work on something, it doesn't seem to produce any difference, right? The the project fails, people let you down, you don't quite have the necessary ability or the know-how, maybe circumstances change before you can keep up, And and add to this uh, things just like exhaustion, ambiguity, uh, the fact that we bring our own sin uh, into our work. Work is a grind. And, And because work is a grind, It's easy to fall into the tendency of viewing work as a necessary evil. And so, here's what I want us to see. If you struggle with this tendency, here's what I want you to see. Through the gospel, Jesus redeems the grind of work. I want you to listen to this passage in 1 Corinthians 7. 1 Corinthians 7, the Apostle Paul, is, he's talking here about this idea of calling uh, that we've been uh, discussing, and he says this 
He starts by uh, making an identity statement. He says, you were bought with a price, right? In other words, if you're a Christian, you don't belong to yourself, right? You belong to Jesus. Jesus, the son of God, paid for you with his life. You belong to him, right? And, And this is good news. This is great news because by Belonging to Jesus, through belonging to Jesus, being united with him, he redeems us to the life we were created for, even our work. And so Paul says, you were bought with a price, verse 24, so brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Jesus Christ, first and foremost, calls us to himself and then he calls us to flourish wherever we are, wherever he's planted us. And the good news, Paul says, is that God is with us in it. Right? Wherever God has you in life, he has good work for you to do. It's your vocation, it's your calling. And we can take great hope in this calling knowing that God is with us in it. You see, our, our hope in work is not ultimately found in how pleasant or how easy our jobs are, right? It's not found in how much money we make. It's not even found in how fruitful we are in our work. Listen to another passage in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Our hope comes from the knowledge that God is glorified when we are simply faithful in our calling. Dorothy Sayers, uh, the great writer and poet, uh, she said this about work. She said, The only Christian work is good work well done. I I love that. Far from being a necessary evil, good work glorifies God. On the flip side, the second ditch that we can fall into is the tendency to view work as our identity, to view work as our identity. If the first ditch views work as evil, Right, this second ditch views work as everything. Right, if, if the first ditch largely views work as sort of pointless and meaningless, the second one views work as meaning maker. As Todd pointed out to me this week, if the first ditch is working for the weekend, the second one is working through the weekend. Right, many of you don't struggle with hating your job. You love your job. Rather, you struggle with wrapping your personal worth and your well-being into work. You feel maybe an inordinate need for recognition and appreciation and approval in your work. You feel a deep need to perform and achieve. Can any of you relate to that? I mean, I can. I mean, when I stand up here to preach, I have to fight against the desire for your approval and recognition because my work for the week is on full display for all of you to see and to hear. 
I'm, I'm a pastor and preaching is one of the things that I do. Right? It's not my identity, but it can be so easy to make it part of my identity. But if you make work your identity, even work that is, is, is church, church work, church ministry, you create an idol that rivals God. And so how do you know if you struggle with making work your identity? Let me give you a few maybe red flags to consider. Do you consistently work 60 plus hours a week? Are you always trying to squeeze in a little more at work, right? Going in early, staying late. Do you struggle to know what to do in the moments when you're not working? Is your life characterized by exhaustion? Do you have zero margin in your life? Do you find yourself craving, coveting the recognition and approval of others at work? Are you crushed by other people's criticism of your work? Are you developing bad habits in your life as a way to deal with the stress of work? Do you spend an inordinate amount of time thinking about your promotion, your resume, your career path, your personal job satisfaction and fulfillment? Because our disordered hearts crave approval and security and power, it is tempting to make life all about career accomplishment and very, and very little else. And look, if you make your life about accomplishment and work, chances are you will be successful in it to some degree. Right? But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing you need to realize. It will never be enough. It will never be enough. Your heart will always be grasping for more. Right, because the, the goalposts of, of wealth and accomplishment and success will always be moving. And speaking of goalposts, uh, Tom Brady. Tom Brady is widely considered the greatest football player of all time. He's certainly, he's the most successful. And back in 2005, uh, he did an interview with 60 Minutes that has now become pretty well known because of his honesty during that interview. Uh, he had already uh, reached the pinnacle of his profession, having won an MVP trophy uh, as well as three Super Bowls. Uh, but despite uh, the, the fame and the career accomplishments, uh, he said that it felt like something was still lacking uh, in his life. Here's what he said. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean... Maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what it's all about. I reached my goal, my dream, my life, me. I think it's gotta be more than this. This isn't all that it's cracked up to be. And, and you know, something tells me uh, that the four extra Super Bowl rings that he won after that haven't fixed anything. Right? The idol of work simply cannot satisfy Do you see that tendency in your own life? Do you see this tendency to idolize work? If so, the solution is simple, but it's not easy, okay? You need to repent 
and to believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us that through the cross of Jesus, God has reconciled us to himself. It says that in Christ, we are a new creation. Right? That, that, that's Genesis 1 language. Right? And so in the gospel, we don't have to work for our identity. The gospel says that we're accepted by God. We have value, dignity, and worth as a child of God. We're, we're justified and made right in Christ. If you struggle with work as identity, look, the, the answer is not that your work doesn't matter and so you just need to stop trying so hard. Right? The gospel answer is to recognize that Jesus is your identity. Right? Believe in him by faith. Find your worth in him and then out of your identity in Jesus, you are empowered to glorify God in your work. Ephesians 2 says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are God's workmanship. That's our identity. And then out of that identity flows good works which God has already, he's already prepared them for you. What a glorious calling that is. And my prayer for you this week, my prayer for all of us this week, is that we would walk in this glorious calling that God has called us to. Wherever you are, God has called you there. And so work with worship to God and service to others. Let's pray together. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Providence Church. For more resources and info, visit us online at www.providenceaustin.com.